I mean, like you say, like you can't take a playoff because in football, especially football is a game, in my opinion, is a game of individual plays. It's a game of not every play is a touchdown. You play 70 plays in the game, a handful of those are touchdowns. Football is a game of plays and and you never know which play is going to be the play. So you have to play every single one. You have to play every single one as a team. So I think it is important for everyone to play every play the best they can in whatever they can do for environmental protection. Welcome to the award-winning Leadership in the Environment podcast. We guide you to living better by your values. We bring you relevant views on important topics without doom and gloom. We focus on awareness and action. It's about bringing fun, community, and connection to your everyday life. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and turning on notifications. Let's do this. Jaden Graham plays as a tight end in the National Football League for the Atlanta Falcons. We jump right in talking about his first touchdown pass. And I don't mind if you pause this right now and go watch. I'll put the link in the notes. It's what you dream of for a first touchdown pass. Well, not being an NFL player, what I imagine. You probably know I love sports, in particular, hearing about the personal experience that you can't get from watching as a fan. So I, yes, I indulge myself in asking about that play. He said he was open, looking at it, not by that much. It looked like a mess of just bodies going around, except Matt Ryan threw right through the defense, right to him. He got hit, went down, bounced back up, spiked the ball, did a dance in the end zone. Anyway, he shares the inside view of that, what went different than planned, what it was like from his eyes, what you do the next day. That led to talking about teamwork, the role of a team, the role of training, giving everything that you have. That led to talking about the pandemic right now. Well, from his perspective, it's an opportunity. It's beyond surviving, but digging deep again, finding yourself and reaching your potential. I think what makes professional athletes professional athletes is consistently finding their potential, reaching it, often going past it, finding where you can take it again. He's doing that now. And so he'll share what's in his mindset when you can't go to the gym, you can't meet with the team. What can you do? That led to talking about the environment. What can you do? Acting on it and giving all you have for everyone, how that improves life. So when you listen to that part, go back again and listen again to where he talks about giving everything you have and what it's like when you're with people. When you give all you can and you're around people who don't, I think it's safe to say it's a lot better, at least in my experience, and certainly sounds from his experience, better to give all you've got. Anyway, here's Jaden. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Jaden Graham. Jaden, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. And there's a whole bunch of things I want to talk to you about. Some of it is professional sports and being on the field. And I can't help but see... All right, all right. I was just watching you getting the touchdown pass from Matt Ryan. And it's a big mess. The ball goes right to you. You get hit. You get pounded. You come back. You're doing a dance. Have you been asked this a million times? It's hard not to be like, well, normally I'm not about to talk to the person and I can't help but think, what's it like? And let the record show this guy's like smiling ear to ear right now. Like, <laughs> I think it was a good experience. It was, it was an awesome experience. It was my first touchdown in the NFL. And for me, it was a really cool experience because it was primetime game on Thanksgiving evening. So I'm from Colorado and I knew everyone from Colorado that I grew up with was able to watch that game because it was the game that was on at night after Thanksgiving. Everyone's watching football after their Thanksgiving meal. And it was like the perfect time to have that touchdown. And my parents were at the game, which was really cool. And when it happened, it just kind of, you know what the play call is when we get into a certain point in the game and at a certain yard line. So we're in the red zone. I know this play is up. And if we get a certain coverage, we're going to, the ball's coming my way. 
and we got that coverage and I, I recognized it and the ball was snapped and I was like, I'm, I might get this pass. And, uh, uh-huh. I turn around and I, I felt open and he threw it to me, caught it. And it, it happened so fast. And when you try to, it's funny cause you watch, you watch the clip back over and over again in film or in uh-huh. meetings, you know, and, and then all your friends text you, my phone blew up, but so you see the clip a lot and it's, it, you almost remember it the way you see it on TV versus the way it happened in your head. And that's, that's how it happens with a lot of different plays. Cause you just get used to seeing it from the video, but that play is definitely one that sticks in my head from the perspective of inside my face mask. There's nothing quite like it catching the touchdown pass like that, especially with the stadium pack on Thanksgiving night. It's really cool. It was really special. So, Okay. You've rehearsed and played it many, many times. So I'm guessing that you can almost do it on autopilot and yet you're in the game. And so it can't be exactly like that. And were you nervous or was it happening? Were you you so well-practiced that it was on autopilot? What was the emotional experience of it? Yeah. You know, that's a a good question. And I think you kind of get into the state when you, when you get into the game, especially when you get later into the game, you know, initially when the, when the game starts, you can kind of have like a, you know, your adrenaline's pumping, but once you kind of get into the rhythm of the game and you get a few hits, a few contacts, catches here and there, you kind of settle down a little bit. So it, it kind of is just on autopilot. You know, it's something I've done ever since I was a kid is just run and catch footballs and play football and run around and, and dance in the end zone. So it really was on autopilot. And actually, it was on so such autopilot that I'll say this. I was supposed to, I had a touchdown celebration planned with one of my teammates and I was on such autopilot mode that I just got up and I aborted that dance and did my own thing. And you can see him. He's on TV. He's like, he's like waiting to do it with me. And I just forgot all about it and spiked the ball. I was just all in. So what you see of you dancing is not what you planned. That was just an in, that was just coming out. That was just coming out. I was just so pumped. Actually, I'm glad to hear because that wasn't a particularly like, like it, it looks very emotional, but it didn't look like you're um, uh, a rehearsed dance. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the connection between you and the quarterback is it like do you do you make eye contact do you just turn in it's there because i feel like there's a lot of teamwork going on there i mean it's 11 guys it's yeah so i mean the relationship at least with the quarterback is we have for certain plays i might run different routes based on my route might change slightly based on where the defensive players are playing and what coverage they have and so a lot of time he's got a certain number of steps that he takes back and drops. And on a certain number of steps, I have a certain number of steps. Usually you practice enough that you can feel that timing. So if you get caught up on the line by a defensive player or something like that, you can figure out when you're supposed to get your head around. But on that play, I actually recognized that I was open. I was, I was actually pretty pumped about it. And I, I actually turned my head early, which you, you might not know. We, we ended up getting the touchdown, but usually you turn around and you just, you're just looking for the ball. Uh, you know, sometimes you turn around, the ball's already in the air and that's just really like working with timing with the quarterbacks. You have a quarterback that's really talented, like the way Matt is and takes practice very seriously and, and, and works real hard. And, and you can expect that ball to be in the right spot every time to get, give you an opportunity to catch it and succeed and uh, win between you and the defensive player that's going up against you. But, you know, I turn around and that ball is sometimes already out of his hand. And I'm just, I just turn around, it's right there for me, and I just grab it. So, how different is it in the game than in practice? Because when you say a lot of times you turn around and it's there, I'm guessing you get a lot more catches in practice just because you spend a lot more time in practice. I mean, how many times have you seen it's always going to be unique? It's never the same twice. 
Right. Well, we try to make practice as close to a game as we can. And we really practice the way that we play. So, you know, when we're out there, we'll even say, even if we're just running routes, just me and and Matt, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that we say, hey, this is the coverage. So he's going to be playing you here on your hip. And so we can like imagine in our heads, like kind of how that looks. And um, I can run, run it as if I have that player there. And then once we're able to actually get into like practice where it's actually against our own team, we've scripted looks and, and we can go against guys that are playing defensive coverage against us and the coverages that we expect to face in the game. So, but you know, in the NFL, you, you have the playbook's huge. And a lot of times we're not running plays over and over and over again in the same game. Um, we're running a bunch of different plays based on strategy and how we've got them and certain where we are in the field at certain moments in the game, down in distance, that sort of thing. And so sometimes when we're trying to get through all those plays in practice, you might only have one look of that play that week in practice. So it's really important to make that look count. But a lot of time our coaches do a good enough job scouting and of, of the opponent that when we get that one look in practice, it's the look that we get in the game. And it's it's very rare, I would say, that we get like a completely unscouted look in the game. So when we do get to the game, you know, there might be small little changes, like he might be playing in a, in a different leverage than we'd expect. But for the most part, it happens the way that you kind of plan it to happen. You, what you're describing is a huge teamwork effort. I mean, you're talking about scouts going out ahead of time and giving you, I guess, they're not going to tell you about this team until you finish the game before. Because partly, like the, the average listener is probably not an NFL player but they probably are on teams where this level of teamwork was probably above the level that they're used to, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, it is. It is awesome. It's really fun. And it's really, you know, I've always thought, especially at this level that football's as much of a physical game, but it's it's really, it's really a game of chess and you have a lot of people on both sides that are strategizing and coming up with ways to take advantage of weaknesses that they might see in the opposing team and um, coming up with plays that can beat the way that they uh, run certain coverages or or the way that they run their offense on, or special teams, kick kick coverage, kick return, that sort of thing. And, and there's a lot of time and effort that goes into just that and watching film and studying your opponent. And, you know, all that preparation is really fun once you get to the game, because once you get to the game, both teams are prepared in a way that they think that they can beat the other person. Right. And it really just becomes a game of chess at that point. And um, you just go out there and, and you kind of turn on autopilot and you execute these chess moves. And uh, it's it's really cool being part of that. It brings to mind a, a quote from um, uh, Charlie Parker on the saxophone saying, you got to practice and practice and practice and get your instrument down and know it back and forth and know it all the way up and down. And then you forget all that. And you, when you get up on stage, you forget all that and just wail. Yeah. And I feel like... That's, that's, you know, I was actually talking with some of the guys today and because we were talking about that, because sometimes you can practice, you can read everything, uh, read the whole playbook. And as soon as you get out there and everyone's going crazy and, and you got your adrenaline pumping, you just gotta, you just gotta wail. That's exactly what it's like. So are you holding back at all? I mean, I, I feel like say in golf, very precise, and yet you have to hit it full. Like you, you can't be fine tuning things when you're actually hitting it or, or, um, Boxing, I feel like you got to be hitting as hard as you possibly can without any holding back and yet be very precise. Football, it doesn't seem like it's as precise, but it's more of a team thing. But do you go full on? Are you like when you're sprinting, are you like absolute full sprint? And when you're hitting, you're hitting full. I mean, you're you're a tight end, so you're doing a lot of blocking too. Right. 
so the thing about football is, you know, every play is like four to six seconds. And between those four to six seconds, you're moving as explosively as you possibly can. So when I'm coming off the line, like for a route, I'm running as hard as I can off that line. Or if I have to juke somebody, I'm giving my, my best move, my most explosive movement to get them out of my way. When you're blocking, it's just, it's just really a four to six second interval that you have to just be as explosive as you possibly can. And, and in terms of precision, when we come in the next day after a game, we watch the game again. We watch every play. The same way that, that we did at home or is it different camera or not different cameras, but like. Yeah, we have. So we have, time. we do have different cameras. We have like a sideline view and we have an end zone view. So we play the game on Sunday and we'll come in on Monday and we'll have a team meeting and we'll all talk about the game. Um, we'll hear the truth of the game. Like sometimes we'll, we'll say what went well, what went, went poorly, you know, regardless, win or loss, we'll talk both sides, what went well, what went poorly. And then we'll break up into individual meetings, which is our position group. So I'll sit in with the tight ends and all the tight ends will just watch the game together and we'll just watch each play and we know what the responsibilities are on the play and it's not happen happening so fast now because we can just pause it and so we can look at what the defense is doing and we can say hey this was your responsibility on this play and you either executed or you didn't execute or you executed it but here's your technique and and this is something you can work on and so you can improve your game that way and that's what we do after and, and that's what we did in college too. That's you know watching tape of yourself and, and seeing the ways that you can improve is something that everyone in the sports world does for sure. You've described it as both fun, but this also sounds like a lot of work. And is it more fun? Is it more work? Is it fun because of the work, or is it? I mean, how much of it is? What's the breakdown between fun versus work? I mean, it sounds like a job. It is a job. It is a full time job. Absolutely, one hundred percent. When you start playing football as a kid, you know, you do it for fun because you're not getting paid. And now, you know, I am doing it for the work, but it, it still is something I, I enjoy doing. And I think it is fun because of the work, you know, it challenges yourself. And everyone that I'm around is super competitive and they challenge each other to bring their best A game every single day to practice. Just personality wise in the, in the locker room, just being your best version of yourself every single day, day in and day out. And you're in this super competitive and super great environment surrounded by all these people. And it's, it's a really fun space to be in day in and day out and work with people like that, that are, you know, maybe not the same as you, but definitely have a, a drive that you have and, and just in improving yourself and being the best version of yourself that you can be. And that is something that makes it really fun. What's it like interacting with people then in regular world who aren't pushing themselves to reach their potential? Are people having less fun in the world? Are they not I don't know if this is too sensitive sure. question. I don't want to put you on the spot of like, oh, it's no, no, I think, I think that's a great question. I mean, that's a great point. It does. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. And, and sometimes I have a football eye when I walk around and sometimes I see people and I think, man, like, I wonder if he had really worked hard, like if he could have, if he could have been something, you know, but I don't go, it's not like I'm going around just judging people based on their successes or their failures. But for me, like, I've always been very disciplined. I've always been very driven. And I think those are qualities that all, all of my friends that I've and, and the people that I've surrounded myself with, I think those are qualities that they all have. So in my life, at least, I feel like all the people that surround me are people that are driven and trying to maximize their potential. And, and I think, I think, yeah, like your life will definitely be more fun. You'll get more out of your life. You'll get more enjoyment out of your life if you try to be the best, if you strive to be the best person that you can be, the best version of yourself on, in 
you know, all assets, aspects of your life, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally. So people keep calling me super disciplined and super intense because my, my environmental behavior is very, like very light. Uh, that is to say, like, I don't, I haven't flown in, in years. It takes me a year to fill a little garbage and people are like, it's so intense or like, why do you, you don't have to go so far. I'm like, it's reaching your potential and it's more fun. It's more, I mean, living by your values. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. I, but I, partly I want to say I hear you, but on the other hand, I haven't reached the NFL myself lately. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like flatter myself too much. When you're talking about the next day, so you have a game, the next day you're in there, aren't you bruised the next day? Like, is it hard to, I mean, I remember playing, I played ultimate Frisbee in college. And so we'd play like all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And then Monday we were just totally wrecked. Yeah. Monday, Monday you come in and you can, you can be pretty banged up sometimes. The, the, the worst I think is when you play a game on turf and you get your, when your adrenaline's going and you're playing the game, you don't really feel stuff. You know, you just kind of like, ah, like you might take a hit, but you just get up and you just go in. And after the game, you realize you got tackled a few times or we're on the ground a few times, especially when we're on the AstroTurf, you get turf burns. Uh-huh. And when you get in the shower, you, you you don't realize you have turf burns until you get in the shower and you get that soapy water on you <laughs> and your whole body is just stinging. And then you go to bed that night and you're trying to get under the covers, but you got these just like just turf burns on your body. And yeah, but waking up on Monday and coming in when you're sore, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know. There's something about it though. It's like a rite of passage. Like everybody comes in sore on Monday and when you get a win, you come in sore on Monday, but it just feels good to be sore. You know, just, mm-hmm. you got the win as a team, everybody's sore and it just feels good. And how about when you're looking at the, at your defender across the, across the line of scrimmage, I guess, what do you feel towards, are you thinking about like, I'm going to beat this guy or is it more of a team thing? Cause there's not just one guy there. You get the whole defense there. Are you angry or are you proud or? Yeah, I play pretty loose. I like playing football. I like competing and I'm usually playing with a smile on my face. So that helps me play the best. I, I'm sure some guys can play angry, but for me, I, I like just kind of keeping it loose. And, you know, if, if it's a true one-on-one matchup, I tell myself every single time I tell myself, like, I'm going to beat this guy. I'm beating him. I'm going to beat him. And, you know, because if you go up to the line and you're and you you're intimidated by the guy, you've already lost. So you definitely need to keep that in your head. But when you are going against different defensive looks where you might not have a true one-on-one matchup because they're playing a coverage where they can, like, pass things off or even some some of our concepts, you know, I might I might be a guy that's that's trying to help another receiver get open. And so, like, you kind of just scan the coverage and, and see what's going on, and, and you can run your route effectively that way. But in, in those situations, you know, it's definitely more of a team mentality. But even then, you know, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do my job. Like, I'm going to do my job. Like, none of those defensive players are going to stop me from doing my job. So you definitely go to the line with that kind of mentality. So I want to keep asking about this, but it's impossible in this day not to ask about the virus and how the... I mean, I feel like professional sports is something that brings people together so much, but we can't get together. I mean, it's the off season now, but it must be that you would normally be practicing right now. And so I'm imagining you normally have a team to back you up to practice harder than I I presume when you're, when you're practicing and training with teammates, you can do more than you would on your own, but now you got to do it yourself. You don't know if you're going to have a season this season, if, or what's going to be different. And so it's got to have some big mental wacky stuff going on. What's going on right now from the player's perspective? Sure. It, it definitely is challenging because we would be in, 
you know, like OTA organized team activity time period right now where we'd be at the field talking playbook and getting outside and, and running and doing some conditioning and working out and stuff. And, and it is when you're in that team environment where you got guys that love to compete, you can compete with the people around you and you can elevate your level of gameplay. Right. And so when you're doing it by yourself, it, it's really tough to have that motivation and that accountability that you would get from your teammates, you know, cause you don't have an accountability partner, but this really comes back to what I was saying earlier about the people in the locker room and the people in the NFL, which is just, you know, highly self-motivated, highly self-driven and highly di- self-disciplined. And for me, like I'm doing everything that I can with full intent to play this season. And I think everyone that I, all my teammates that I've spoken to are, are doing the same thing. So, but it is, it is very difficult and it is really challenging. It can be mentally mentally taxing as well because you don't have the same resources you don't have we're doing you know right now we're doing our meetings virtually and we're just kind of doing zoom calls or microsoft teams and video chatting and talking about playbook and that's like the most interaction that we can do right now because our facilities are all closed and we're not allowed in the building and that is definitely really tough because it's way easier to learn when you're able to get on the board and and talk through plays and be right there with your coach and you can like run things back on tape and you know, when you're having technical difficulties or like trouble logging on or, you know, coming in and out of a Zoom call, it, it can be really challenging. But I think it all comes back to just being super self-motivated and self-driven. And and I trust my teammates to get as physically and mentally prepared as possible in, in the lead up to this season. And I'm doing the same thing. So, so if you're going to get yourself to your maximum potential, what do you, what are you doing if you're not using the usual support from the team? I mean, I don't know what you do. Bench, uh, uh, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of squats and deadlifts. And what are you actually doing? Like to prepare, actually let, they can't see, but he's like stretching right now. I presume you're going to practice right after this. Yeah, train yeah. After this. Well, it is tough because we don't have, we don't have a gym and I know Georgia's opening back up, but a lot of other states uh, aren't like that. And we were under quarantine for a while and there was nothing open and nothing available. And I think for me, when this whole thing was starting, I just told myself like, hey, there's going to be a lot of people that are heading into quarantine and are going to use this as an excuse to not do the things that they want to do or not achieve what they want to achieve. You know, there's people that are going to use it as an excuse to not go to the gym. There's going to be people who say, oh, well, the gym's closed, so I can't work out or, you know, and you can make that analogous to any aspect of of life, Um, not necessarily just working out, but. I told myself it would be a complete disservice to myself to allow the quarantine to be an excuse for me to take myself off the gas pedal. And so I said, in my head, the mentality I went into quarantine with was this is the best thing that's ever happened. It's a level playing field. Everyone's in the same boat and, you know, everyone's in the same position I am. So what can I do right now to get ahead and really make, take this time and and turn it into my advantage. And, you know, if no one can go to the gym, there's other things that I can do that people might not be doing, right? I'm, I'm not sitting around playing video games or, you know, I, I watch Netflix or whatever at night, but, you know, I, I really am taking the time to like do things that I might not focus on. I'm, I'm paying more attention to the playbook. I'm getting myself more mentally prepared, right? I have a little space in my apartment that I can do like recovery and stretching. And, you know, if I'm working out all day, I might do a, a lot of lifting, but there's only so much time in the day. So all the little things that I think that I can improve in my game, I've been doing, you know, just even, even just juggling, juggling tennis balls and working on hand-eye coordination and coming up with drills and being really creative 
and making the most of the resources that I have available to me. That's kind of what I've been doing. I think that's what a lot of people have been doing. As Georgia opens back up, you know, I'll have more access to more resources. And, and But throughout quarantine, I was really making sure that I was on top of things like my nutrition, my flexibility, uh, hand strength exercises, just anything that I can control, I made sure I controlled it and was using that to my advantage. Now, you sound like the people that I talk to of like, this is an opportunity and this is something where, I mean, with proper deference to, you know, there are people who are helping people who are sick and dying and, and people putting themselves in harm's way. But for the rest of us, I, it seems like I read in the paper about how a lot of people are really struggling through this period. But it seems to me, talking to a lot of people who are leaders and athletes, that they, I was talking to someone this morning, uh, this leadership guru guy, and he was saying, you know, it, it takes what you were before and it gives you an opportunity to amplify that. And so if you're unhappy before, you can get really unhappy now. And if you're an achiever before, you can achieve a lot now. I guess people listening to this are probably achievers and probably leaders because I'm trying to think of what, how to help people who are like unhappy or depressed to help them see this as an opportunity, but they're probably not listening to this. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, I've always had, for me, whenever I have downtime, I always, I always feel like I need to to do something. And whenever I can't recall the expression, but just like, for me, when I, when I sit idle, like that's when I feel my worst. And I I think it's, I think it's because I'm just the type of person that I want to be doing something. I want to be doing something that improves me. And, and, you know, that might not be bench, right? That might be improving my relationship with my brother, my relationship with my sister, right? Just calling them on the phone, improving my, you know, the way I look at the world, the way I, you know, just reading books or, or whatever. And so for me, like what really helped me get through quarantine was I, I write a schedule down and I do my best to stick that schedule. I, I, I write out everything. I write when I wake up, when I eat breakfast, when I do my exercising, when I um, eat lunch, when I'm doing my recovery stuff when I'm taking my supplements and, you know, when I have tasks to do, it just kind of helps me get, it's like, I don't have to worry about, you know, I don't have to think about what's going to happen in the future. I don't have to think about what's happened in the past. I just think about, I got to do this to the best of my ability. And for me, that, that really helps. Cause if I sit there and waste my whole day away and then I, I get up and I think, dang, I just like, Oh, I was on my, I was on scrolling on Instagram for hours. <laughs> I just wasted all that time. And, and when I write a schedule down, you know, I know like if I get on Instagram and scroll, I know I can do that because I've done my schedule and it's, it's in my schedule to be able to chill out and relax, watch TV and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, in terms of like getting through this and, and some people are using it as an opportunity and, and some people are getting depressed or, 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 you know, having mental health challenges or, or just, or just struggling to get through it and, and not due to actual like coronavirus issues, but just the fact of being all pent up at home, I would suggest writing down a schedule of, of the things that you want to do and, and really think about what you want to do and what you want to improve. And when you do that, I, I really think that it just turns your whole attitude around and it makes you feel productive and it makes you feel like you've had great days. And you know, that that's what has always helped me is, is just keeping my hands busy. I'm going to selfishly plug this webinar that I've done and recorded. Maybe I'll send a link to you if you want that uh, it's about how I, about my habits and, and how they keep you going. And partly because you killed a question that I wanted to ask because you were talking about like here and now and not thinking about too much about the future, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it possible that there might be games played in an empty stadium? If so, what would that be like? Or Do you imagine things like that? I, yeah, you know, sometimes I do think about that. 
And, and it's weird. It's weird to think about, you know, I went to a, uh, a small football school, like Yale. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Yale, but we, we, you know, we didn't have, I think we would average like, like 11,000 fans. And now, you know, you come to Atlanta and we've got 60,000 fans every game. And I always crack the joke that it's going to just be like playing in college again. But the reality is it is kind of, it, it would be really weird. It's weird to think about playing in front of an empty stadium because you have no crowd noise. You have no, you have to really bring your own energy. And it's something I think about, but you know, for me, I, I really don't, I don't have control over those kinds of things. And, and like I said, in, in terms of making this opportunity to your advantage, I think it's really just about, doing the things that you can control to the best of your ability. So things like that, I can't control like that. I might think about them or, you know, think like that would be crazy, but it's not something I control. So I don't, I don't put too much energy into it. Now you sound stoic too. Is is that on purpose or is that like, I was talking to a football player earlier and he was, he was at the end of the conversation, he started talking about stoicism and Epictetus and things like that. I was like, Oh, uh, that's what we're going to start. We're going to start the next conversation on that. I was, Earlier, you said if you didn't train, it would be a disservice to yourself. So I hear the word service, and I've had a bunch of military guys on here too, and and service is like a major thing. So talking about fans, I feel like as an athlete, you're you must be serving yourself, serving your team, serving the fans. And if you take, I mean, I would imagine also you probably feel like you were doing a disservice for the fans as well. Like, what's it like the relationship between you and the fans? Between you, I asked about you and the teammates. What role did the fans play for you? Yeah, sure. Atlanta loves their Falcons and you know, I, I want to win a Super Bowl for Atlanta. That's, that's my goal. That's the team goal. That's what I want to do. And I want to do that for the fans. I want to do that for the city. I want to do that for my team. And I want to do that for my family and myself. But, you know, I think we do owe it to the city to, to work hard during this time, because like you were saying earlier, sports really does bring people together, all walks of life, all backgrounds. You get all types of people into a stadium of all diverse backgrounds and, they're all rooting for the same thing. They all know the rules. They all are rooting for, you know, the team in red or this year, the team that's in all black. And um, I really think that we do out to the fans to be continuing to work hard. And I think that my team is doing that and, and working hard. So I go out, sometimes I go, I don't get recognized all the time because we got helmets on, but sometimes I'll go, <laughs> I'll go out to Publix and, uh, you know, one of the, the grocery store here. And uh, sometimes people come up to me and start talking to me about football and or just driving around you you see like falcons bumper stickers falcons license plate brackets and and the falcons mean a lot to the city and i agree with you like it's really important that we are working hard this time because sports is a great way to bring a community together and you know after after you know the coronavirus and quarantine and stuff it would be great to bring a super bowl to atlanta and really unite the city over that so i apologize to i'm gonna pause and take this edits part out can you hear that my stepfather is like doing this riding mower right outside the window? I can't hear it. No, okay. actually. I'm glad to hear it because I'm like, thanks a lot. <laughs> so hopefully it's not coming through. That's funny because some of our meetings, you know, with, with people, like some of the guys have families and kids and like, you'll just be on a zoom call with the whole team. And all of a sudden you'll hear somebody's baby crying and, you know, we, and we're trying to like figure out whose it is and mute microphones and stuff. So, <laughs> Same difficulties are going on everywhere, I think. Well, now I'll probably have to keep this in because I think people like to hear, like, they're just like us. Like, I think yeah. it's there's something about hearing someone else's struggle is the same as my struggle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually, our, our coach did a voiceover from one of the playbooks, and he was like, 
a minute or two in and you could hear the lawnmower of like somebody <laughs> go on out outside and he just went he just went through anyway, didn't restart it or anything. So if you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe it in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, it doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I'm going to start transitioning over to talking about the environment. So the, the environment is a, a place where I think everybody has a vague sense, at least, that maybe the environment is not at, at the best shape it's been in, that it's been able to sustain life a little better before and we're polluting a little bit. And so a lot of people feel like, well, what I do doesn't matter. And, you know, I'm just one person out of 7 billion. What does it matter? But you're talking about you, just you, and you're in front of a stadium of 60,000 people, but that's inside of a city of millions of people. And that's inside of a nation. I mean, it's an, it's an American game of hundreds of millions of people. And how do you translate? You don't feel like I'm just one player. When I played sports, if what would happen if someone said, all right, you guys, you guys will do well. I'll, I'll play okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's why I love football. It is a true team sport. And if someone, if someone doesn't do their job, somebody could get hurt. You know, because you're not blocking for somebody, you take a play off, like you can let somebody through the through the line on a run play and tag the running back or, or sack the quarterback or something like that. And I think that's a great analogy that I actually haven't thought of before um, that you bring up. But it's it's a team. It's just like football. You know, you need all 11 to win a game. You need all 11 to run just a play. So I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of taking that analogy to the environment. And it's important to uh for everyone to pitch in and, and, and do the best that they can. And I think that probably there is a general um, feeling where there's no um, uh, efficacy, I think is the word in terms of what one small thing someone is doing or bringing to the table in terms of saving, uh, protecting the environment. But I mean, like you say, like you can't take a playoff because in football, especially, you know, football is a game, of, in my opinion, is a game of individual plays. It's a game of, you know, there's not, not every play is a touchdown. You play, 70 plays in the game and um, a handful of those are touchdowns. So football is a game of plays and, and you never know which play is going to be the play. So you have to play every single one and you have to play every single one as a team. So I, I think it is important for everyone to, to play every play the best they can in whatever they can do for environmental protection. Did you ever go out and not play as well as you could for some reason? And like, did you learn that lesson? I, I imagine Maybe it was in high school. Maybe it was in grade school of like, don't go out there halfway. <sighs> I don't know if I've ever gone out on the football field and not given it my all. You know, I, I know why you're asking that, but that's just never been the type of person I've been. Oh, man, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, sometimes I do my calisthenics in the evening and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And like, it's always nice to have, oh, man, I do all these burpees. And before doing them, I'm always thinking, oh, this is going to be really hard, especially if I ate a full dinner or something like that. And then I read this sports psychology book, The Championship Mindset, The Champion's Mind, I think it was. And when I read that book, I'd just be reading it. And I'm like reading some Olympic gold medalist or some you know world champion at something, how they prep for something. And I would just 
put the book down and like jump out and like dive into my burpees. And I was like, this is amazing. And so now hearing you saying that, saying that I'm like, awesome. Like it's, that'll give me another month of like, of like, yes, I'm going to do it like Jade. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Yeah. I always say like, if you're not feeling the workout, you just got to warm up. And once you get warmed up, you get back into your, your, it like ignites you. Like you get back into your normal competitive routine and you're yourself again, and you can just hit everything you need to hit. Now jumping back to the environment. Is the environment, is that something that matters to you? Is it something that, is that like an NFL thing? Do people care about it in the NFL or you personally? I've actually, so the tight end group that I've been a part of over the past couple of years, it's seen some changes as all teams go through changes with personnel and players and stuff. But we would have discussions at dinner throughout um, the season just, and, you know, sometimes we're just cracking jokes or whatever, but sometimes we get into really intellectual conversations and, and talking about different subjects and, and the environment is actually one that we've talked about before. And most notably we were, I think we were at green Bay, my rookie year, and we were all sitting there talking about um, environmental protection and stuff. So I, I think that just like, you know, anyone in the world, it's, it's something that people think about, you know, I don't think it's any more or less than, than the general population, but I, I think that there are conversations like that, that happen uh, in the locker room. And is it, is it something that has worked its way into your behavior? Do you things do things differently? Do you do things like with the environment in mind? We have as the NFL, we do. Oh, I don't know what it's called. There's like this. And I think it's about this time of year. We do like this environmental, like the coaches wear t-shirts and stuff. And if I remember correctly, like green shirts and it's for like, like recycling and, and protecting the environment and stuff like that. And we, we've got like recycling and stuff off the facility next to all the trash cans. And so um, doing that sort of thing, I wish I could remember the name of, of what that program is called, but yeah, that's just one instance of how the NFL is, is uh, handling it. And how about you personally? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I recycle when I'm at the facility. I don't think I'm very wasteful when it comes to using stuff. I've had conversations with uh, one of the coaches actually, because we've talked about the environment before as well. And just talking about like the water bottles, like using the small water bottles versus like the big water bottles and trying to reuse those, sm- those bigger water bottles and steps or, or even um, the, the, uh, the little plastic things that hold those small water bottles. Oh, like the container. I mean the, the baskets or something like those little six pack or eight pack water bottles. And they've got those, they're like connected and you got to cut all the holes yeah, so the turtles don't get stuck. Yeah, and I actually have cut and, and or, or tear them. So I, I do things like that. So when you do things like that, when you think about the environment, what motivates you? What images come to mind or what? You know, some of the things like I, I didn't even think about, you know, like, for example, like cutting the, those plastic pieces. Or, like I never even thought about that until it was told to me, you know, until someone like, Holds me because you know if if it's not something you know it's not something you think about and you know so it just kind of becomes like you know it's it doesn't it doesn't take up it doesn't take up any time to do that real quick and sometimes like even before I knew that I would just tear it just for fun anyway so like things like that you know it's it doesn't it's not too big a hassle to just kind of do it and like knowing what I know and knowing it just kind of feels like it's the right thing to do and it doesn't really take any it doesn't cost me anything to do it. So I, I don't really think too much about it. I don't think of myself like as a hero when I do it, or if I forget to do it, I don't think of myself as a, as a villain, but it's just something that I kind of just do, you know? Okay. Yeah. I was kind of curious when you say when it's the right thing to do, 
and stop me if I'm going too far, but like, what makes it right? Like, what difference does it make? Or not what difference does it make? Like, for me, I always think of like, there's like, I have a sense of what the park at the end of the block was like when I was a kid. And now there's like more plastic in it than there used to be. And that, that gets me, you know, it, like, I, yeah, I know Florida's going to be underwater, maybe, hopefully not, but that's actually not that personal to me. What's personal to me is, is my experiences of going to the beach and seeing the water, the plastic there, or coughing when I'm in a place that's where the air is really dirty. Hmm. You know, I don't know if I've had like true personal experiences. I grew up in Colorado, which was fantastic. And whenever I go out, whenever I went outside to go play, I was on a baseball field or a football field, which was already, you know, people don't litter on a, on a baseball field. You don't see like just water bottles on in the outfield and it's a landlocked state. I didn't really go to beaches anything like that. So personally, I don't know if I've really had any kind of mental images that stand out that inspire me and in that way. And that's probably why, you know, if I had mental images like that, I'd I'd probably be more committed the way you are um, and having your mental images that inspire you, you know, but I, I don't know if I've had anything like any personal stories like that, that really have spoken to me other than just people who I care about and whose opinions I I care about um, express opinions to me that I agreed with, you know, and, and influence some of my decisions and behaviors. Okay. And now I can't help but ask if Colorado, you didn't mention skiing. Was that something that was, I, was just for I've sports been here? skiing before when I was a kid and I was not good at it. And, <laughs> you know, it was my first time skiing and I've only gone skiing once actually. Cause I always, I was doing winter workouts or with, for, uh, baseball, like in the batting cages or whatever. I was always doing sports, but when I went skiing as a kid, I remember, and my dad was a phenomenal skier. He used to be on ski patrol, which was like a paramedic on skis. And my sister used to go a lot. And she had one of those, um, I think it was called like an Epic pass. And like, she had an app that recorded like how much altitude you skied over the season. But for me, the one time I've been skiing, I was, I was just a little kid. And if I got going too fast, I couldn't stop. So I would just, I would just fall over. And just just fall right into the snow to get myself to stop. So I think that's probably why I play football. I got I'm I'm good with just falling over and hitting things. Cool. So we can so the rest of us can be like, okay, he's not great at everything, right? <laughs> and baseball. How was baseball? Was that um, I guess that was off season. Was it more fun, less fun? And how did you decide to go into football instead of baseball? Yeah, I, I started baseball when I was uh, five, and I started football when I was nine. So I was in fifth grade when I started football. And I also did track once I got to middle school and I did track throughout high school and yeah, football just was, there's just something different about football and I love baseball and baseball is a special place in my heart for sure. It's a lot of fun waking up and doing a double header, you know, in the summer and and just playing baseball games. And and sometimes I'll hear like country music that reminds me of, of trips I did to different States for baseball tournaments. And, and my team in in high school was, was really good. Uh, we were ranked nationally and, and, uh, we were particularly good, but football for me was just, there's just something about it that I just loved. I loved the game. I loved like, to me, the game has always been, you know, it looks really physical and, and it is physical, but to me, there was something just so graceful about the game. And, and, um, you know, it was just always fun to be a part of it. And, and, and I, I loved I just love being able to go out in the field and I love the contact and, and being able to just run full speed into people. There's something about it that just really clicked with me. Oh man. Uh, you're saying this and I'm just thinking of like 
in my childhood, Lynn Swan catching this fingertip pass and I think it's uh, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, do you know this pass? Like, I feel like it's an iconic, there's so many. Uh, yeah, there's uh, definitely, there's definitely like, and that's what I love is there's, there's really beautiful moments to the game, you know, that become iconic. And it's just like, it's just such, it's like the epitome of, of like what you can, of like strength and grace and coordination and seeing it all come together, I think is actually really beautiful. Football's beautiful. I, I don't know. I don't know how many people have said that, but I, I really do think that. I think so. People constantly saying, Josh, I didn't think you like football. It's like, are you kidding? And then I, I say stuff like what you said. And it's, I mean, I almost wanted to end the conversation right there because it was like such a nice moment. But actually, I'd like to wrap up with a question of, uh, is there anything you want to share that you got an audience? Is there anything you'd like to share about football, about, about making through difficult times or about competition, about anything? Uh, anything to share with the audience? Yeah, I guess I would just say I kind of connect everything together and just say, you know, um, as I was saying earlier, we're all in the same boat with the quarantine and we're all in the same boat in, uh, you know, regards to the planet that we live on. So it really is an opportunity to just do everything the best that you can to become the best version of yourself and take everything to your advantage and and do the best that you can for for what you believe in. So, you know, throughout quarantine and, and in regards to the environment. but that's what I would say is it's, it's a level playing field. It's, it's, everyone's in the same boat and uh, you have time to, you know, and if you haven't done stuff yet, um, that's okay. Right. Put it in your schedule, write it down, write, write down what's important to you and just go knock it out. And uh, you'll, you'll feel better at the end of the day and, and um, you'll just be more productive. Well, Jaden Graham, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Can you tell that I love talking to athletes? I grew up thinking of professional athletes often as bad boys, but competition is founded on reaching your potential, giving everything you have, serving yourself, as he talked about, serving your team, serving your fans, serving the world. I heard from him that the level of fun that you reach when you try, when you really give it what you can, transcends what you get when you settle for creature comforts or playing just okay. Is the application to the environment and stewardship obvious of what I'm talking about here? We listen to his part about when he talks about people who don't give their all, they don't know what they could have become. People ask me why I do so much on the environment. I listen to athletes, business leaders, political leaders, artists, Nobel Prize winners, and all the people that I've spoken to on this podcast. And I don't think about how much I'm doing. I think of how much I can do. I hope that you feel as enthusiastic as I do to find out what more I can do to serve, to steward. That's why I love talking to athletes and people who strive to reach their potential and do their best. Not to say what I do doesn't matter. But to say, what more can I do? What more can I give? With the expectation that everything that I give, others will give back. Maybe they won't, but if you do, you'll be surrounded by people who also do. And we will lead each other and we will continue to reach our potential. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.